You are listening to The Turning Point Podcast, a place to come together to share our unique stories that will encourage, uplift, and motivate one another. This is a space where we will absolutely be inspired to become the best versions of ourselves spiritually, mentally, and physically. So if you are ready to take this venture with us, grab a cup of coffee, call a friend, and let's begin. to the Turning Point Podcast. I am your host, Shelly Rainey. And today I have the pleasure of talking with a very special guest, Mrs. Maura Sweeney. She is one of the most sought after international speakers who has traveled to more than 50 countries. She's the author of the Art of Happiness book series, and she has appeared in numerous media outlets. And today, Maura shares her journey as a career woman, stay-at-home mom, empty nester, author, and international speaker. So let's listen in on a portion of my conversation with Maura. Hi, Maura. How are you? Shelly, I am great. And thanks for having me on today. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for agreeing to come on. I mean, I'm just so excited to have you here. And, you know, I actually started reading your book, The Art of Happiness, right? Oh, my gosh. And I feel sorry for me or laugh. (laughs) No, I'm look, I'm just enjoying it. And I'm like writing down and highlighting and going through all of these things. And I mean, I just don't want to jump too far ahead. So we're just going to jump right into it. And I want to start off by talking about the pivotal moment in your life. What's the story behind it? Okay. Well, the backstory here I am. I'm, you could tell I'm a woman of age. I, I, my husband and I had been married for 11 years. I could not get pregnant. When we were on our honeymoon, I thought, you know, I'd love to have a nice sized family. We'll have two of our own. We, I was saying we would adopt two children from other countries. Oh, I'm sorry. You could see. I'll probably be doing this through half the interview because of uh, allergies. <laughs> so it's anyway, it's totally so okay. <laughs> here I was 10 years later, could not get pregnant. Even births that we were, or adoptions from other countries were not working. We have one child after being married for 11 years. And at this point I had come out of a long corporate management career and I was ready to stay home with her. And then my husband says, okay, Maura, he helped me out with my business, which I did. And he said, would you consider homeschooling her? And even though I thought originally, this has got to be the most antisocial thing to do with one child by homeschooling, our daughter loved it. And she was actually exposed to quite a bit. I tell you all of that to keep that in mind that in many ways, after 11 years of not being able to have a child, we have only one. She's a little girl. She's darling. And she's you know basically always with me because I'm homeschooling her. But she was very independent. And so by age 13, I was bringing her out to, um, or maybe 12 or so, to look at high schools. Um, And she came to me one day and she said, Mom, I'd like to go to college. And I said, college, you're too young. She said, no, we could go to local college here. It's only down the street. She said, I get all my high school and college courses taken up. So 
here she is now at age 13. And I go from this woman who is really put so much into having a child to all of a sudden, she really doesn't need me as much. She doesn't need me for school. She is very much on her own. And I had a life previously. I was always busy. My whole life was busy. We used to have two big dogs. Okay. Put that all into this picture and imagine that um, she at age 15 has finished high school. She's gotten her first two years of college done locally um, and she's ready to move to Boston. Now, Boston, from where we live in Florida, is 1,500 miles away. Our only daughter, my husband says to me, Maura, I cannot bring her there. You're going to have to bring her there yourself because I won't let her stay. But I can remember she was upstairs in her bedroom and her dad is helping her to, um, you know, to, to pack things up. I took one look into her closet, Shelly, and it was empty. And she's 15. She had just turned 16. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she's going to be 1,500 miles away. How could I protect her? What is this? It's empty, 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 empty. So if you want to talk emptiness, there I was. But. I could, I remember feeling this lump go up in my throat as I looked in the, in the closet and I'm looking, it's like, oh, she's taking everything with her. And I quickly turned away, got into the hallway and I thought, I'm not doing anything. I'm not saying a word because I know or sense what guilt is like. I grew up with a lot of guilt and I thought I would never, ever want our daughter being an only child and dearly loved ever feeling like she needed to go and live her life, but be burdened with guilt. So that was only one story. The second was, oh, I brought her up to I Boston. I can't imagine. Of <laughs> no, because, no, and just for a second, because I'm sitting here and our lives are kind of parallel because I have a daughter who is 16 right now. Now she's not going off to school for another two years, but I can't imagine at 16, my daughter leaving to go 1,500 miles. I just... I, I know. You know what? She was a very, she is a very unusual young woman. I think she was brought up as an old soul. I mean, her, her big thing going out on a Friday night was going to the food store and looking at what kind of food she was going to buy. And she, and her big thing is, can I read three books a week? She's just, she's just a different kind of a kid. Had she been anything else, she would have never been able to go 15 minutes away. But it was, you know, you know what it's like as a mom. And a, yeah. my daughter said to me once with all the worrying I do, she said, mom, maybe it was good. You only had one. I said, I don't know if I could take, <laughs> you know, think about all this worrying. But Shelly, there was another time too. I'll tell you this. I brought our daughter up to Boston and I'm setting her up in her dorm and she's right in downtown Boston. So in order for me to get back to the airport, I had to get on the T, which would be the metro system. Mm -hmm. She leads me there. And I have to get on it. And she's waving goodbye to me. And I'm telling you, and she's fine. She's all smiles. But all I kept thinking of is, oh, my heart, I'm going to miss her. But again, I had the same thought. If this were me, Shelly, I would want I would want my mother, my parents to send me away and say, have a beautiful life. We're here for you all the time. We're always here. We'll be up if you need us, but go and have a beautiful life. And don't have the shackles of guilt attached to you absolutely so right that was that it's a dilemma but you know and other mm -hmm. mothers have asked me the same thing but i see my daughter in much the way i would have seen myself many years ago i would have wanted to go and spread my wings and to know that i could do it with a sense of fullness and not with regret saying oh but i you know I, half of me is still pulled back feeling badly that i left my parents behind 
Right. No, no, I totally understand that. And that's not, that's a piece of advice I'm going to hold on to because you hold know, me up when it happens. let me just tell you, I have to, I will, because let me just tell you, I told my husband, wherever she goes, we're moving there. He's like, really, Shelly? <laughs> You know what? You sound like my husband. It's that's something. We're relocating. <laughs> We're going. <laughs> well, He's that's like, not always no, a bad Shelly, <laughs> Let <laughs> her go. Let her go. So it's just like, you know, trying to just wrap my mind around that, that whole process, because it's like you feel as if your job as a mom is never done. Right. And it's just like when they're leaving to go off, it's just like, OK, so what's next? I mean, did you go through that? Like, what did you, I? What do I do? Did I? Because I told you I went from a corporate career and I was very, very, I mean, it, it exhausted me, but I put everything into it. I had our daughter. I put everything into that because not only was I teaching her, but I was raising her to be a future, you know, adult in many ways. So it was social. It was everything. And she's just a darling girl. And, um, and so what happened, this was what was strange for me because I was always busy and engaged dogs. We had so much going on helping my husband with business that I could remember one day sitting down uh, outside on her lanai. And now you hear the ex old expression, people who are um, twiddling their thumbs. I don't even know if people use that expression. They'll say, what are you doing? Well, I'm just twiddling my thumbs. I was literally out in our lanai twiddling my thumbs. And I thought, I'm a twiddler of the thumbs. I have nothing to do. I honestly was like, what do I do now? And I'll tell you, I had friends women friends who were obviously the same age and they were at that same point where maybe had a couple of children and they were facing that it's like a midlife crisis it's an identity crisis it's a time crisis it's in a focus and an attention crisis and um i remember thinking what am i going to do because i wasn't needed i wasn't as necessary and so it was very challenging but i will tell you this this there was always something in me that when I would look at my daughter, just as much as I'd want her to go away to school and feel very free and free to pursue her things and never have any guilt, I also didn't want her to look up to me as the next generation to think, is this is what I'm going to be like when I'm 50, that I have no life and I'll be depressed like my mother. And I was yeah, and no, so I understand. Mm -hmm. it put me at a place. And actually, I had several dreams. I didn't even mention this to you earlier, but I actually had several dreams. I mean, several dreams where I felt like God himself was calling and pulling me out of closets, pulling me out of the dark, um, calling me down onto the street. And I didn't know what to do with them, but I eventually realized it was time for me to get out, get out. And what did that mean? And what did it look like? So I will tell you in a sense where some of it started. And uh, this brings my book to mind. Our daughter was still in junior college, if you want to call it that. And she called me one day from school and she said, mom, they're giving a class here or they're offering a class on intro to jazz. And I said, oh, Kaylee, that's wonderful. Are you going to sign up for it? She said, mom, I've had seven years of dance. You're going to sign up for it. And I didn't say anything, but she read my mind and she said, mom, she knew I was thinking I'm too old or whatever. There's no way, right? Said, mom, you, every time you'd come and watch me dance, you'd always tell me that you wanted to dance when you were growing up and never had the chance. And she said, this is not going to be five-year-olds and tutus. She said, you can do it. These are adult people. And she said, it's an intro class. And so Shelly, that was one of several things that helped kind of really push me out of my comfort zone, force me out of mindsets that I had either 
acquired when I was growing up or developed on my own later on in life. And um, I, I took my daughter's advice because I, again, didn't want her to say, oh, you know, when I'm 50, that means I can't grow up because my mother never did anything new. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to see me trying something new. So I signed up for this class. And I remember I put myself way in the back, way in the back, because I thought the younger people, they're there. They need the grade. Um, they need to be up front. So I'm way in the back. Now, I am petrified. I don't know what's going on. I have never, ever been coordinated. There are certain skills I have. Dancing and coordination was not among them. And I'm telling you something. I was so bad in that class that people didn't laugh with me. They laughed at me. I couldn't do simple things like walk across the stage because I didn't know how to move my arms. I didn't know how to articulate different things. Right. I, and I could remember drive. It was a long drive to where I was going at this other campus. And I'd come home at night. Some nights I'd be laughing at myself like, oh, I did a little something. Other nights my eyes would be stinging and I'd be saying to myself, is it possible I'm this dumb? Am I as dumb as a doorknob? I can't figure out the most simple mm. things. I mean, I would literally go into such a state of fear. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And um, I kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, I don't want to spoil the book for you, but I did this for a couple of years, even as our daughter was continuing to grow up. But it was for me. For me, I had to mm -hmm. deal with so much of the mindsets that I had acquired. Um, I had to deal with humiliation. <laughs> mm, that's a big one. I, you can't believe it. I ended up, um, and then I advanced myself into the uh, what would you call it? the intermediate classes? And they were actually pretty good at this school. And then I signed up for not one, but two performance programs. So I was part of a troupe and they said, Maura, don't worry. <laughs> Wait, don't worry about it because everybody gets something to do at their level. It was an 11 minute dance. The first time I was on, on stage with all these chairs that kept moving around and people kept on disappearing and reappearing. No, no. And I'm telling you something, I just about destroyed that 11 minute performance before we went live. And that's in my book. But so all of these things I went through, so you could see the kind of like the adventure I'm doing something I always wanted to do. And I did since the time I was little and I saw American bandstand on TV and I saw teenage kids dancing to music. And I thought, Oh, that's what I want to do. And here I am at 50 and I am worse than worse, but I never gave up. And so here, fast forward, our daughter's in Boston, and I happened to call her during the second year, I guess, that I had done this onstage performance. And I said, Kaylee, guess what? I said, I did another performance. And I said, I didn't ruin it. Now I'm waiting for her. To <laughs> I'm waiting for her to say, yay, mom. And I said, and I'm surprised. I said, well, aren't you? Aren't you surprised? And this is what she said to me. So now you get almost a role reversal of the child giving advice to the parents. And she said, and I said, aren't you surprised? And she said, no, mom. I said, well, why not? And she said, because it was something. And this, everybody who's listening today, please listen in. She said, mom, it was something you always wanted to do. I knew you could do it. Wow. Uh, you always wanted to do it. And so think how interesting that is for any of us. If there's something, and in my case, I wanted to do this when I was two years old, and now it's 48 years later, I'm age 50, and I'm just trying with all this mental baggage, not to mention age and all these other things. Um, and yet, I knew somewhere, Shelley, that there was going to be a breakthrough in my life 
there was going to be a freedom in my life. The idea of being able to walk across a room and not feel like I was clunky, you know, or lacking in grace, which is the main reason why I wanted our daughter to take dance lessons. I thought, oh, she'll be able to walk across the room and feel like she's not tripping over herself. But I knew somewhere that there was going to be something in me that would be set free as a result of doing it, even though it hurt me. I felt like an absolute idiot. And I kid you not, when you read the book, the rest of the book, you will laugh with me. You might want to cry with me. It reads like a bad episode of I Love Lucy. But at the end of the story, you'll say to yourself, if this woman can learn how to dance, I could run for president of the United States. And I actually had somebody tell me that because I was not a good candidate. (laughs) So it was a really good thing for me to, to do and to launch into, even as I was losing everything about what I used to be and had at the time no idea of what I was going to do for the future of my life. And that was just one aspect of it. But it helped gear me up and prepare me for other things that I would do in the future, including now. You know, that is because you put me in mind a portion of your book that talked about the comfort zone. And it's you said something, what happens when our need to stay in the comfort zones keeps us from venturing out? And you know what I thought about? I thought about the overwhelming emotion of fear. When you think about, okay, I'm comfortable in this place right here. I know everything there is to know about this zone. And you're talking about trying something new, venturing out, of course, it's like almost like you're paralyzed with fear. And I remember you just mentioned that, but you just moved beyond those emotions and you just kept going. You kept going and you said something that your daughter said to you because it was something that you've always wanted to do. She knew you would do well. And I'm trying to apply that personally to myself and my situation. And I know the listeners will as well. But if you find something that you really want to do, like you have that burning desire, however, you realize you have to venture outside of this comfort zone in order to get there. It's like, okay, but I can do it. You know, it's just, is that basically what you're experiencing? Yes. And I'm glad you brought it up from that perspective, because do you know, as a young child, I was a dreamer. I had a lot of hope. Um, I saw the whole world as something so beautiful, but over the course of my early years, um, I was very much traumatized. There were a lot of deaths in the family. Some of it was just traumatic, unexpected. Um, And I was a traumatized child on a number of levels, and I kind of knew it. And I think that I spent my whole life believing in, well, number one, believing in God, believing in something better, believing that even though I may feel a certain way, there is a better world to behold. And I think I had that somehow deposited in my heart as a very young child. And so it was that really, if you want to call it anything, I would say it was my faith Mm. in what was good and my faith in life rather than death that helped me overcome so much fear. And I've, I probably lived my whole life that way, that I was always kind of like, as much as I had fear and I felt very da- uh, daunted. And if you look at pictures of me when I was growing up, you could actually see like 
layers and levels of heaviness on me. Like I would be carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders, but I was always somehow finding these little arenas I could go to and just kind of step over the edge a little bit. And I think all of it, now I'm not going to say I think, I know that as much as each step along the way was a challenge for me in so many different ways that they also, these steps, helped me reinforce what my heart knew about God, about good, about better, about life, about hope, about dreams, about expansion, which of course is really what God would be. And uh, But I'll tell you that one about the dance. I could go, you could pick any part of my life and I'll give you a story about it. But that was a biggie for, you know, a woman of a certain age who was at a major turning point in life. Um, and also, we might as well mention this uh, because it was really big, is that I would always stay, even within a certain zone, even when I worked at two national companies that I was offered several promotions and I was in leadership, but I never... I knew in my heart there were certain things I was called to and certain things I was not. But there was something in me, Shelley, from the time I was a child, and I'm talking about preschool, is that I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to make new friends as if these people around the world from every tribe, nation, and tongue were my unmet friends and relatives. And it was literally in my heart to do. And uh, oddly enough, I had grew up with a mother who was agoraphobic, so she always had me in the house. So that was another another story about my background. But that whole juncture of going from always being busy as a mom to not knowing what I was going to do and then having this thing about dance in front of me that really helped catapult me as a writer, as someone who could express herself publicly because I took the story of learning how to dance and turned it into the beginning of a series on happiness. And happiness, I always say it's living happy from the inside out, not looking for something in the world that like the new car or the new clothing or whatever that's going to make me happy, but my heart's going to make me happy and the ability to do. And that helped me become a person. Let's say that I always had in me to be, and that was to be a goodwill emissary, a goodwill ambassador, someone who could literally go out into the world among so many different kinds of people and bring words of hope and encouragement. And so that's where I am today. That's where I am. I've traveled now to probably 60, maybe it's close to 70 countries, but I forgot. I stopped counting. And everywhere I go, I am meeting not with, I'm not staying at the Hyatt Hotel or the business hotel. I am sometimes staying in people's homes in countries where they don't have hotels. I'm on local transportation. I'm meeting with people and I'm learning about their lives. And I'm also speaking at universities and you know, national leadership conferences and things like this, because I want others to have hope in their lives. And so whether it's my life and the way I'm living it, or the stories I give, or the, uh, the presentations I deliver, I want to encourage others to refuel that hope in their own lives and be that person um, and do the things they wanted to do that were secreted in their heart, maybe from early childhood, because so much of our lives and our world are always, you know, they're dictated to by other people. And how much of us is within that really needs to be expressed? So by going through that 
time of losing our daughter to 1500 miles away at such a young age and then forcing myself to get out of my comfort zone and do something that I wanted to do at age two and a half and never giving up and using it as a catalyst for, for interviews, radio interviews. And so I, you know, I just kind of took one thing and led it to another and another. Thank you all for tuning into another episode of the Turning Point Podcast with my guest, Mrs. Morris Sweeney. Now, if you would like to learn more about more, please head on over to her website, which is www.moraforyou.com. Or you can check out all of her social media outlets, more information about her book series, The Art of Happiness, and so much more at my website, www.shellyrainey.net and check out today's show notes. Now, we are looking forward to releasing a special episode midweek this week. That's right. And we will actually listen in on the second half of my conversation with more. So you don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening to the Turning Point Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we would love to hear from you. So please head over to ShellyRainey.net to participate in our episode discussions. Until next time.